I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lost of Words DraftKings podcast. I am joined as ever by Matt Vincenzi. Matt, hello. Hey Tom, how's it going? Yeah, I'm good. I just uh, always always admire you doing this from the dungeon uh, during your working working week, busy week. Um, we somehow managed to do this. I think I think one of the challenges that people probably don't, I mean, I guess they can tell that we're doing it in different parts of the world, but probably don't consider is trying to get these times to marry up and me and you have a discussion pretty much as soon as you wake up on a Monday morning, which is normally about lunchtime for me, to say how we're going to do this in the week. And, and somehow we've managed to find this kind of spot, which is working pretty well for us. But um, that's why it's been a bit you know, kind of all over the place recently with schedules and things like that. Um, so that's one thing I would say on that. And just to thank you, Matt, for, for always making the time to do it. Um, yeah. Um, just to add, I think a lot of people don't see a lot of people who create this content and stuff every week that it's they also have a, another uh, busy life and schedule and most people have other jobs and all this other stuff so you know just trying to go out, um, out of our way every week to get this done is um you know I, I thank you for doing it and i just think um it sometimes goes unnoticed but it's something that we should kind of bring some light to once in a while i think i think it's i think i don't know why we've started down this route we certainly didn't plan to that's just my introduction has done that but like I certainly think people know like I get some messages saying like I can't believe you make all the times to this and thank you so much and all that sort of stuff and we do get you know positive comments on social media and things like that but I think it's just one of those things that you know people just don't get like I, I do on the sky and he has to do it in between you know calls and work and things like that and normally when I'm doing them it's the end of the working day but I'm also giving up doing a little bit of university work or or actual work work that I could do with just getting finished and things like that. So, you know, and then the other side of it is our families are sitting there while we're talking about golf. And look, for, for an hour of us talking about golf, it's it's fun. And whilst it does take up our time, it's something we want to do. But by the same time, it's those little MVPs in the background that are, that are helping us out. So um, all around, thank you to everybody there. Um, Matt, interesting week last week with, with Pebble Beach um shame that it lasted only 54 holes i think that we would have had a really positive uh go of things that we managed to get the whole 72 holes in um but some good good calls along the way as well yeah you know what i'm gonna say this and this might be a, a bit of a hot take um i think that last week was the worst week in recent memory for the pj tour and just i, I almost go as far to say ever that it was such a colossal failure um and it not necessarily their fault, but the fact that this is the first time Pebble Beach is at an elevated event. You get a great field at one of the most historic courses. Thursday and Friday, we knew weren't going to be good because of the Pro-Am, and not to mention the coverage is absolutely atrocious. And then Saturday, you get everybody tearing the place apart. Clark makes 200 feet of putts, which for me isn't that enjoyable to watch. A guy shoot 60 at the, one of the best courses in the world and make almost 200 feet of putts. And then Sunday, it gets canceled, and you have a winner who... I will go as far to say there was no chance he wins if they play on Monday because of the way things went on, on Saturday, um, Sunday or Monday. So, And then you give Lib the spotlight on Sunday. And I just think that the whole thing was a complete disaster for the PGA Tour. Yeah, it's, it's a tough one, isn't it? I think I think the thing with that, it's always hard to follow up those kind of 59, 60 rounds, right? Um, we saw, you know, Neiman struggled to do it in Lib. I mean, he eventually got the job done. And look, Maybe Clark does get the job done, but I think the problem with 
an event only lasting 54 holes is everyone just sits there going, what if, right? So regardless of what anyone thinks about Wyndham Clark, and there were certainly people that bet him that were happy about it and absolutely great to them. This is certainly not a bitter thing on our part, but it, it just never kind of answers the call, right? Like now Wyndham Clark is the sixth ranked player in the world. I know there's obviously a lot of dimensions with, with world rankings at the moment, but we didn't get to see that Aber Clark shootout on a Sunday. We didn't get to see whether Matthew Pavon could go back to pack. Um, we didn't get to see if, you know, Jason Day could have come out the clouds for us. And and also you had Scheffler, Thomas and Burns all sitting there in, in sort of striking range as well. So it was actually set up to be a really nice final round. Um, they knew about the weather. Everyone knew about the weather beforehand. Um, it makes you wonder why they just can't flex things. Like, I, don't, I don't really get it. Like they can flex Tory Pines because of the championship game, but they won't do it for Pebble Beach when the weather's horrendous. It just seems a bit weird. seems like a bit of a weird time of year to play Pebble Beach. Um, so, yeah, there is all that to it. Something has to be done about the coverage. I just can't take it anymore. It's so bad. And the fact that there are people like online, like Colt No saying, well, all the all the cameras are at Pebble Beach. What do you want them to do? You invested a billion dollars into this product. You can't get 10 more cameras to put on the other course. You can't get shot link on the other course. Like, come on. It's really weird that, like I, like I, there's a lot of people that just say, look, I don't even need audio. Just put a camera in the middle of, you know, in the middle of the fairway, in the middle of, you know, the back of the green, and I'll be happy with that. And I, I don't think a tour is ever going to do that because they want every, like, if they're going to put anything out as a product, they want it to be continuous and um, everything to look the same. So if they want Spyglass Hills to look as good as Pebble Beach and things like that, completely fine. But like you say, like if they're going to spend that much amount of money, they're going to get that much amount of money from AT&T. They're going to get all these pros to play and, and amateurs play. Give it the the service it deserves, I guess. Like I can I can almost live without strokes gain data on a course, so it's it's not ideal when you're trying to kind of piece things together as a better, right? But yeah, I I, I just think as a product that they're, they're certainly coming under fire now with all these kind of any shots and seeing all these shots you can see on live and things like that, like. Yeah, it's going to be tough. I mean, that I massive guess. investment they've just got from from whoever it is, um, all the kind of um, front office guys in, in sports, maybe that will change things, but I don't know. Like you just said you can't live with shot link on one. You can live with shot link on one on course. And well, I can't live with it because when are they going to invest in the fans? They're putting all this money in the PIP. Like when's it time to give back to the fans who love the PJ Tour, have been defending the PJ Tour forever? And the fans are always put last with all this. Everyone wants more money. Everyone wants more money. And Liv partly is a problem with that, too. And so is Rory and Tiger. Everyone wants to stuff their pockets. When do the fans get something? I think this is the problem, right? Like, I think what this is, you know, I don't know how we got down this path, but we have, we're going down it. Like, the trouble is, and I think everyone's kind of self-aware on this, golfers want more money than they're actually worth. Like, they're trying to get money that NBA players getting, NFL players, and it's just such a different products that yes okay it's the sixth seventh eighth man in the nba is making more money than than the guy on the pj tour but that's because people spend money on on the nba they get x amount of fans in there every week they get x amount of people sign up for nba league pass they get all these kind of things and all these different revenue streams sponsors everything um and golf just can't do that they're losing sponsors every year every tournament's not getting sponsored um so I don't know what the answer is because we are in this kind of echo chamber and bubble that we want what we want because we're golf fans and golf betters and things like that. But probably on a large financial scale, it probably doesn't make sense to invest that kind of money on it. But 
then you've kind of got to but they should almost just come out and say that they should just say look we actually the the finances and the dynamics of, of investing that kind of money does not make sense instead of ramming it down our throats of how much money they're giving away to players and and how good the game of golf is right now from a financial aspect how you know you're putting all this money into comcast and and all these kind of fedex bonuses and all that sort of stuff don't focus on that if you're not going to be able to spread the wealth and improve the product that's the issue because at the end of the day like the masters has a you know its own app that does everything that we want it to do so if they can do it you can do it right yeah i mean i, I just hope it gets better and hopefully that money is used for something that makes this product better because it's starting to it's starting to struggle and i'm getting fed up with it and i think a lot of people are too but I, i'll be honest with you Matt, like a lot of it is again probably t- um time difference and things like that like me having to stay up until midnight to watch the conclusion of a final round sometimes just doesn't really work for me or it might be that it doesn't start until five six seven o'clock in the evening and i'm kind of coming in from wherever i've been for the weekend so a lot of the time the windows of of viewing don't actually work for me anyway but there's definitely less interest in watching it when it's so hard to like every time i tune in there's an advert every time i tune in there's talk of like there's a 30 minute delay in play or there's there's 30 minutes where we're not going to see any coverage other than ams at at pebble beach like it seems to be every time i tune in from a you know just for half an hour so i can kind of spend some time doing other things like that half an hour i get to see two minutes of golf and it's just not good enough so um there's us off our soapbox i guess matt let's go back to the golf wyndham clark beats aberg pavon I will remind you last week, I think you said you'd rather die than, than bet on Pavon. Uh, <laughs> and as he, was climbing, as he was climbing up the leaderboard throughout the week, I was kind of going to send you a kind of angry message about... Moreno well, saved me. Yeah, so, I mean, if he had won, like, I don't know quite how we bounced back from that comment. But, um, look, he, I said he would play pretty well again, and I'm quite happy with that take. Um, anything that you, you learned from last week that you want to take into this week? Um. No, not really. It's hard to, right? Because you've only because you've only had two rounds at Pebble. Yeah. And one at Spyglass Hill where you've got no data from. Yeah, it's it's tough. I think I mean I think the one thing I learned and it's kind of indicative of what's happening this week with the withdrawals is there are a lot of guys not playing well. See they were concerned about like Xander and Victor were saying they wanted to take a break because they're frustrated with their game. Are they playing that badly? Xander was good before last week. He was horrible yeah. last week. But then Homa yeah. I mean, uh, sorry, Victor was pretty bad. I think he was like 56 or something. But like he'd been good right up until the end of the year, and like things like it doesn't smell great that they're saying that they're frustrated with their games. Um, yeah, no, I don't know. Um, but there we go. Some some players should probably take a break more than others. Um, I will say this: I've been saying I bet Justin Thomas at the Waste Management at 35 to one for the last three and a half months, and now he's 10 to one. I read did they did they. DraftKings like void some of those bets or refund future bets or something. No, mine's still there. Perfect. There you go. Um, that was a great call. And yeah, I think we've been beating the um, the Justin Thomas drum for a little while now, and we said he'd probably win big at some point, and this certainly feels like the week. So let's go into the players then. Scotty Scheffler, 11-6, looking for the three-peat. Um, Xander's now, I, I was 10-4, and then it was Justin Thomas at 10 you're just taking that $1,600 discount and starting on Justin Thomas? I mean, it's just, he's going to be so, so, Everyone's so... Everyone's going to do that. Like, 
It sucks because I really think he's winning, but he's so he's going to be like 30% owned. I've never seen. But when Scott you, is too. They're, they're going to be the two most popular players by far. Yeah. And then everyone else is kind of not getting ownership. And I kind of like some other guys in this not top range because Xander's not playing. There's only two guys above 10. So there is a couple guys who I like. like I kind of like Homa there. Yeah. What What do you do, Matt? When When you've got someone, obviously you bet Justin Thomas, so you're just you're interested in that from a that perspective. But when he's 30 percent owned, but you're so dead set that he's going to win, do you just have to take it and and deal with it and just get unique elsewhere? Well, what a smart person would do would be not to play him and just be happy with the bet. And but I just can't not play the guys that I think are going to win. Yeah. I just want to have the discipline, but I probably will play him. Um, and I would just try to yeah be a little bit different. Like I think. So I'm on JT and Spieth. I got JT 35 to one, Spieth 30 to one, um, and I think they're the two most likely guys to to win the event at this point. So I'm going to start with those two, and I can find ways to get different elsewhere. But um, I like Homa as well. I could even start maybe try to find a way to force three of them in because um, I think Homa is kind of under the radar. This, and I could picture him winning that type of event. Yeah, he's gonna be the the type of popular winner at this at this type of golf course. Doesn't he live in Phoenix? Is he that? I feel like he's yeah. around there a lot. If he doesn't, um, yeah, he's in the area a lot. I don't really know. I know he's obviously a California guy by nature, but he's a, he's got a really underrated record here, right? Like he was twenty uh, sixth on debut, sixth in his second start, uh, third round sixty four there, forty second, fourteenth where he's fifth at the halfway point. And 39th last year, where he's better at the halfway point again. So he's five for five for made cuts, which even some of the most consistent players at this golf course don't seem to manage. They don't seem to avoid a missed cut most years. I mean, Matsuyama was one of them. Um, but yeah, I think I just like Burns more. Yeah, Burns is another guy who, like, I was talking about on a show last night where he's the guy, I feel like I have the, the whole board surrounded, but he's the guy who I'm worried about. I, I think. This is one of the most confident feelings I've ever had on Sam Burns. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't normally get that confident about him. I always think he's a short price, and that does apply this week. But he was 17th in approach last week. Um, Tees Green, I mean, wasn't wasn't great. I mean, he was 50th, right? But I'm not too worried based on, you know, limited data and, you know, just a weird event in general. Overall, like at the golf course, he's been very feast or famine. He's missed three cuts, but the other two times he's been 22nd, where he's fourth at the halfway, and that was before he kind of did all his winning. And then sixth last year, where he had a third round 64. So the, the limited sample size that we've got on Sam Burns and, and playing the waste management, I think he's been really impressive. And look, the 33rd was was pretty average to start the year at the Century, but it was four rounds of 70 or uh, 69 or better. He was the 36-hole leader at the American Express. Should have won that event. We know that. Um, and then finished 10th at Pebble Beach. How, how you bounce back from that kind of disappointing defeat the next time you're really in contention is, is going to be interesting to see. But I think this is a great place for Burns to do it. Yeah, and I think ultimately he'll be fine. I think he just lost his swing on a couple of holes. And I was burned by it. But I'm not going to let that cloud my judgment thinking that he's going to do it again because he's shown in the past he's fine in, in contention. Um, so I love I'm like you I, I like Homer I think he's so like you can't say anything about Scotty Scheffler he's won it two years in a row he finished seventh year before that he's probably going to be in the final group again right like that that's the kind of impression I get about Scotty Scheffler but we're happy with JT Homer Burns Spieth you've obviously mentioned there that we like what what is it about Spieth that you like at this event um his history is like really good 
um, it's like almost sneaky kind of um, good. Four, He's been four top tens in what seven starts here. Yeah, and everyone looks at Thomas this week and says, "Oh, he's playing so well. He's playing so well." Look at the stats from last week. Him and JT are identical in every category, just about besides putting. And Spieth putted it horribly. And I, I just gotta think he's gonna have a good putting week one of these weeks. And um, the field's week, I just think he's kind of under the radar a little bit to a spot where and a popular winner. They're going against Live again. I, I just think he can get in the mix. I think the one thing with Spieth is that he has to play more perfectly than Thomas does. Like Thomas yeah. a little bit, you know, more, you know, pump off the tee or whatever. Um, so he kind of gets away with a little bit more, whereas Spieth has to be really on his game the whole four days, which could hold him back here. It might be the reason he hasn't necessarily got over the line, but um, that would be the only way I'd split those two. So we're, we're pretty comfortable with all of those. I mean, I'm not going to play Scheffler, but between 11-6 and 9-5, we don't really have a negative thing to say about any of them. So we've got to start saying negative things about players further down. Sung JM and Cam Young would be the two easy ones to rule out for me. Yeah, me too. I mean, I'll say something negative about Sung Jay. He can't win anything ever. Yeah. <laughs> is this a little bit I like, like except Pavon, like, we never win again? Like, Well, I still believe that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that didn't change my opinion. Uh, and then Fitz, not going to lie, this is the first time I, I didn't even remember if Fitz was playing. Yeah, well, that, it's interesting you say that because I thought that. And then I looked at it, and actually he's played the course pretty well. Um, and I think, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen with the ownership at this event, but he finished last year with a final round 65 to finish inside the top 30, and he was 10th on his debut, and it just feels like that's actually really impressive for someone like Fitzpatrick, who has got that added distance now. It's just that he's not playing that well. Like We, we talked about the fact that we thought Fleetwood was a little bit more bulletproof than Fitz at the moment. I mean, he, he played well for two rounds at Pebble Beach last week, but then the 76 on Saturday is what really cost him. Again, I can kind of forgive that. So I think he's an interesting player, 9-4. Yeah, no one's going to play him either. So I think that's I think that's the way you get different, that kind of top wing. And then I guess both Figala and Clark will be popular at 9-1 and 9 that. Yeah, and Post and Anon. I know they're not in the nines, but um, yeah. they're going to be really, really popular. Suck up a lot of ownership. If you um, had to pick one of those four, Figala, Clark, Post and Anne, who are you putting in? I don't like any of them besides um, Benny. I like Thigala. I think he's got a great chance of winning again this week. I think, yeah. like, I, I know I felt really strongly about him at Torrey Pines and he wasn't that good, but I'm just willing to go back to the wall with him. Like, I think, I think for me, he's in that. When you look at players, man, I guess it depends what you feel about Thigala long term. Like, he's already impressed enough in majors where he feels like the type that can go and do what Kepka and Woodland and Hideki have done, where they've used this kind of a win in this kind of field as a platform to go and win a major in a couple of years. That feels like something Thigala can do. And maybe that's more gut feel than it is anything technical. But in to- on top of that, he's obviously played it really well and potentially should have won the first time. Uh, he got an unfortunate bounce on 17. Yeah, yeah. no, I love him long term. Um, but I just think he's a little popular. He's a, I don't know how well he's really playing. Um. I think he's a bit better than he is a DraftKings player, is one thing I would say. Um, yeah. And let's, then, um, I, I like Benny because I just think he's just playing really, really well. So is Poston, though. Like, it's so hard to ignore what Poston's doing. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, but I just don't like him. I think I think he's a better player than he gets credit for, but I still think there is a limitation. Like, you look at his record here, 26th, 37th, 11th, 23rd, like... 
a finish between those range of results is probably the outcome. Like 11th to 37th, like if you finished 18th and carried on a really solid run of form, it wouldn't be a surprise to anyone. It'd be more of a surprise, I think, for him to really be contending in the final day. Right. I mean, with this, you have to price him here because of his recent results. Like, you can't yeah. make him any cheaper than this. But also, I'm not playing him at that because I just don't want to play him at 8900. Agreed. Uh, and I, I like Benny. I think I have a feeling he's going to be around this week. Um, but I think with my build, I don't think I think I'm going to have to probably skip this ring because I am going to play three of JT, Spieth, Burns, Homa. So yeah, tough tough range to kind of get into. I, I'm not that bothered about. Well, I'm definitely not bothered about Tom Kim. Not bothered about Eric Cole. The Cole three, is popular again. What the hell is this shit? Who? Cole. He's pop, I mean, he's just it's just people just want the consistency, right? They're just they're just so happy for someone they think's gonna lock them in a top twenty, top thirty. But I'd rather try and get some higher upside guys. And look, I think this would be a really good event for Mimu Lee. Um, and I think over the years he could do really well here. I just think the hype's at an all-time high. I think I said this a couple of, couple of weeks ago at Sorry Pines, and I'm not ready to kind of dip into it. But I can see that the reasons why you would. I think this is the week to play Hideki. I agree. And that probably won't surprise many people. And I agree. I think Minwoo is he's great, but I st- I think he's both great and overrated. Yeah, I, 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 no way, shape or form think he's as good as people think he is. Like, yeah, I, I think he he's really good. I think that he could get himself into the final couple of groups of a major. He has mm-hmm. got that kind of major caliber type player. But doesn't he feel a little bit, and this again, it's not just an Australian thing, but he feels a little bit like a Mark Leishman. Like, people just see these major results and then overvalue him for 50 weeks of a year, and I think that's potentially what's happening there. Um, yeah, love Matsuyama. I think I think for me that there's always a bit of caution on him at the moment, but if he's ever going to kind of come back in the way that we think he will, um, it's going to be at the Phoenix Open, so happy to give him a chance. Ricky loves this event, and we talked about him last week about him being basically dead. Um, and then he started really well, opened with 67, sixth after round one, and then kind of reverted to type. Is that just what he is at the moment? Uh, yes. Um, I'm trying to think of this. So I was on when, when he won this in 2019. I was on him, and it was awesome because the Patriots were in the Super Bowl that night, which is my team. And I'm trying to remember if it was when they beat the Falcons or when they lost to the Eagles. Um but either way, it was an incredible day because I won a lot of money on him. And then same thing at Waste, I hit Brooks and the Patriots beat the Rams in the Super Bowl. Um, no, the Bucks won the Super Bowl and I had a 50 to 1 future on the Bucks because I put it in right when they traded for Brady and the odds weren't updated yet. And I hit Gronk for a touchdown 20 to 1. I won like 50 grand that day. So the uh, Phoenix Open Super Bowl combo is good for you. Absolutely. So, yeah, I, I and I like the Niners, by the way, for anyone wondering. Uh, so, yeah, Ricky, I mean, course history is great. I think you can definitely play him because he's going to be under-owned and he's relatively cheap. I was thinking about playing him and Hideki. I like the course history guys here. You see them time and time again. Um, I also like Adam Hadwin, which is kind of more under the radar. I, I thought you were going to go with the other Adam. Like, Scott's, Scott's been playing so well. Um, yeah. And I think, hasn't he played it, like, once and finished, like, 20th? Like, it's been... Oh no, he's 38, so it wasn't great. I just, it's not the event I envision him winning. I feel like he's better for like Riviera and Bay Hill and things like that in the future. But 
I just can't look past that he's been fifth, sixth, fourth, seventh, and twentieth. Like that's that's really impressive for Adam Scott at the moment. Um, back to kind of what you'd expect from Adam Scott when he was a world beater. Um, and I think that's something. I mean, you were pretty early on on him getting back in. Um, I like the Hadwin and Gold as well. And I think the, the problem we've got with we both like the top of the board. You are going to struggle to to get multiple players here, so it might be taking the cheaper option is is the way to go. Um, Hadwin's been solid. His uh, course history is good. Um, maybe first round leader for him. I don't know. I gotta check the odds on that. He does like a opening round. Like he was second here after round one last year, third six hole leader. He was second after round one the year before. So if you can bet on him to be second after round one, that's probably the the way forward. Uh, he was twelfth yeah. after round one the year before that. Um, so he was kind of in the each way range or close to it for the last three years. Uh, that's probably the way to play Adam Hadwin from a betting perspective. But I think, yeah, I think he's someone that gets you through the weekend and makes some birdies. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. I, I like him this week. Anything on Noren or Hostler? Hostler, everyone's going to, like anyone that's been playing Hostler and wants to play Hostler is going to continue playing him. Um, any I'm negatives on either of those? I'm done with Hostler. He's just limited upside, right? He's just a loser. My 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 experiment was Keith Mitchell. That's done for me. Um, That's funny because I'm on Keith Mitchell now. Right. So he pretty pretty succeeds now. Um, I like him this week. He's low owned and he has relatively good history here. It just feel, again feels like another guy that is quite laid back and would enjoy this kind of event, like the Harry Higgs, Joel Damon type. Sixteenth um, and a tenth here. I just he's let me down a couple of times now. 10th, 10th in 2022. Yep. Uh, I just think his skill set can be more of a weapon at this place rather than 2020 was 16th. Yeah. Um, I, don't know. I like it. It's been a little bit of chatter on Lowry from a betting perspective. I don't see it. I think people just see a big number on Shane Lowry and think you've got to play him because he's a major champion, but I don't think there's anything really to suggest he's back where he should be. No, I don't get it. What about taking a chance on Berger? He likes it here, doesn't he? He has played here, well, a couple of times. 10th, 7th, 11th and 9th, so four times he's played really well. He's missed three missed three of his last four cuts is the obvious concern. There's been a change that he doesn't like or, or whatever, but... Um, would also coincide with kind of the start of his injury problems and things like that as well. Just feels like to me like might be a good opportunity to get on him um, after the missed cut because he because he impressed in his first start or looked okay in his first start. I think people were ready to play him again straight away, um, and then he missed the cut at Tory and it would have caused some pause. And it might be a case of he's 7700 and people don't want to take that risk this week. Yeah, I see the appeal of that, and I think you're probably right, but I just it's a little too risky for me. It, like it is really risky. Like like when I when I think about kind of risk attributed to kind of like Hideki and stuff in the past, like this is even riskier than that. Um, but I think there's there's certainly value in doing it potentially. Um, yeah. This range is this could be really important. It's kind of seven seven down to I don't know seven four seven three. I'm going to quick fire and just say yes or no. Denny McCarthy. No. Thomas Dietrich. Uh, I've seen his name too much. No. Andrew Putnam. No. Keith Mitchell, you already said yes. Yes. Grillo. We keep having this Grillo discussion. I might be back in. 
I think I think he's again a little bit like Adam Scott. He's playing that consistent level of golf that was what we saw from him at the peak of his career. And no, it's not the best course history ever, but it's solid enough. Yeah, the one the weird thing is the one time he did finish 22nd here in 2021, which is his best start. Yeah. Uh, he lost four strokes on approach. So so he managed to get his best result with his worst game, which is strange. Yeah. yeah. I'll probably be out just because I don't like the course history. Yeah, the course history is not as good as I wanted, but I think I think he's definitely someone's keep an eye on for the future. Um, I don't love this range. I, I like Hadley at seven flat. I love Tom Hoagie. Okay. I I I think Tom Hoagie can potentially win this week. Um, and, and you won that from a 7-3 guy. When you look at Tom Hoagie's record, he were, he missed the cut on his first start here, um, but then he was 43rd, where he was 11th after 36 holes, 12th after 54 holes. Then he finished 25th the following year, he was 11th after 54 holes. And then he finished 14th the week after he won at Pebble. Um, he's actually 7th going into the final round. He's had a couple of missed cuts either side of that. But even one of those missed cuts, he was 6th after round one, opening round 66. And if my kind of stats are sort of aligning with yours, uh, Matt, one of the best iron players in the field at the moment. Yeah, I think all those are great points. I wasn't thinking about them before, but I didn't really realize he was that he was sixth at Pebble. Yeah, and he's and he's been eighth, sixth, twenty fourth, and sixth in his last four made cuts in terms of strokes can approach, and that's exactly what you want from Tom Hoagie. Yeah, any cons- I mean, I know you mentioned the course history, but any concern that he missed the cut last year here? No, because it like it seems pretty isolated. He misses the cut, and I think there was a ton of pressure on him last year potentially after you know coming in for the first time as a uh, or second time as a winner, and his other missed cut he opened with 66. So I think it, I mean look, it, he's been 50-50 here. It's 14th, 25th, 43rd against three missed cuts, but the 43rd and the 25th had you know potential to be better both times, and even the 14th did. So. The argument is, no, he's never put four rounds together. The argument for me is every time he's made the cut, he's got better every year and he might just be a little bit, you know, more prepared this time around. Yeah, I I, I like it. Patrick Rogers is out, so that saves that conversation. I'm back in on Kitty Armour. After you talked to me about the, the green splits and that kind of came to fruition again last week, he this is his favourite surface. And... Mm-hmm. He led the field in tees green last week, obviously over the two calls, or the, the one course, sorry. Um, and he was 19th in approach. Then you look at his finish here last year, 23rd. He had a 67 and a 66. He opened with a 75 and finished 23rd. Yep. I, I will correct one thing again for the second week in a row. <laughs> Past Palms, technically his favorite surface he, he hasn't played on it that much but his he gains a lot of strokes on that spell I, feel uh, like I definitely read otherwise let's have a look this is one of those things you have, you have different stats and different things i guess um let's have a look so i have it as i have it as he is Averages a score of 70 on Bermuda grass, 70.55 on Pass Palum, 70.73 in Bent grass, and then Poa was by far as well, 71.44. So either way, I guess it's pretty close. Yeah, so what I have is, is uh, strokes gain putting by surface, not just strokes right. gain. So yeah, so, 
so i think this is like overall kind of thing um but he likes he definitely likes he definitely likes it so what i would say to that is it's an improvement on his putting like we should expect an improvement on his putting last week and that was that was the fault in his issue so um i love kitty armor again any more apart from the ones you mentioned hadley there at seven flat any more you want to discuss i've got one more in this range cooch (laughs) cooch what is he (laughs) you love this guy i do I feel like you're potentially keeping Matt Cooch irrelevant. Um, I should am. Probably, he should probably send you some money or something. I um, well, wouldn't give him any money, but maybe a, yeah, if not a PBS or something. Not the person you want a, a history of sending you money, but uh, he might send you some sketches. But 16th in, in 2020, 4th in 2019, 5th in 2018, 9th in 2017. Yeah, 5th, 4th, 16th, 32nd, 6th. Like, really good course history. I just, I think, I think it's done. I think the experiment's done. I don't think he's going to win again. No, he's not going to win, but I think he could be okay at 7K. 7K, I guess you're not really talking about that, right? But um, I really like Michael Kim, 7-1. I'm really getting sick of his shit. I, if I, I don't really care for his social media presence, but when he was 23rd at uh, in Mexico, he was you know, top 10 going into the, the final round and fell away. He was top 10 all week. He was second after round one. Then he was 42nd at the Sony Open, which is fine. Third round, 66. He was sixth at the American Express, where he was second after 36 holes. 37th at, at Torrey, where he was fifth after 36 holes. Yes, that's a pattern of he hasn't been able to get done for four rounds, and I'm going to continue that with his course form as well. When he was 45th on debut, he was 13th after two rounds. When he was 24th on his penultimate start, he was third after 54 holes, not penultimate, his second start, sorry. He was third after 54 holes. And then when he was 58th, he was 12th after round one and close of a 68 as well. So a lot of really hidden results for Michael Kim on a round-per-round basis, both current and course form. Yeah, uh, makes some sense. Like, but I, he, he feels like he's in this point of his career again where he's coming back to pretty much what he was. And I know people point to the fact that he won at his very best but that was one point of a good season like I, th- I feel like he's getting back to the level of his game that he is and then that could play out into a contender a couple of times a year he's already done it once so yeah what about taking a shot on someone like woodland i guess the the, the counter to that is there's been nothing in his game to he's, he's shot four rounds of 71 in two missed cuts so there's nothing to suggest that He's ready to play well after his long layoff, but it's a good cause for him. It is. I just, what's the ceiling, you know? Well, I guess the very ceiling is like top five, but I just don't think that's happening. It's a, it's a hard ceiling for him to reach. But if we're talking about like guys that are capable of winning, you, it's very thin down here, and he might just be this guy that, if for some reason he's ready after you know four rounds of getting getting under his belt. Um, I mean, this would have been what 8600 a couple of seasons ago. I know he's a different player, but yeah, no, I get it. High upside type of play, but I just don't think he's ready. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, also one thing we'd say is that just because people are high upside or low value doesn't mean you should play them because if there's nothing to suggest they're going to do well, then then don't get in that trap, I guess. Yeah. Nate Lashley, 6900. Third, 17th at his golf course. Um, 
made the cut last year as well, 61st. And I think he's had a, did he finish third in his last start? Yeah, third at the, um, where was it, Zori? Yeah, third yeah. at Zori. Yeah, sure, I guess. Cheap. Like, 10th in Mexico, third at Tory. Like, he plays his courses that he plays well, and that's it for Nate Lashley. You can do it two or three times a year. He's pretty predictable. Yeah, yeah, I can see it. I, uh, I don't love yeah. it. Like, I don't, I don't want to sit here and talk about the fact I'm playing Nate Lashley, but he's probably going to be someone that's in my player pool is, is the point. Yeah, I like um, a couple other guys better. Um, KH Lee, I kind of like. Yeah, I get that. Should have won here maybe once. Dalvin Brooks won. Um, and, yeah, and he's kind of... Hit or miss. I think he's kind of high upside. I like him. Um, he's another guy I'm looking at for a first round leader. Um, and then I'm kind of going off the board. I, can, I, have a, I have a weird gut feeling about Victor Perez this week. And in the spirit of the conversation that we had at the start of the show and busy schedules, Matt's had to dive off. He's been pulled away at work. So just going to wrap up kind of solo here for the rest of the show. We uh, Matt talks about KH Lee for him um, in the 6K range, kicking off with 6-9, which makes perfect sense given um, you know the time he had a chance to win and Brooks stole that from him. He asked me the question about Victor Perez. I didn't really know how to answer it for him. Victor Perez is a player that I won money on last year. I like Victor Perez. Great upside. Uh, I just don't know where he is um, with his game. He, he played the, the Andalusia Masters, finished ninth. He was eighth at the Tour Championship. And then we've only seen him once since. So we saw him miss the cut at Tory, And I, I have no real reason to think that he will do well or poorly. Um, so, you know, potentially high upside there at 6-7. But nothing that I can kind of pin my uh, hat to. I will instead look uh, in the direction of, of some of these lower price players. And Matt was talking about uh, Demont de Chassart and just thinks that he might be settled in now and ready to go uh, 6-4. Again, I I don't really have any positives or negatives to it. It's not someone I've really considered at all uh, in his current run. I'm looking at some cheaper guys even than that. And one of them is at the minimum, and that's Bug Cawley. I think that Cawley is a player that Everyone knows, everyone knew the kind of upside on Bug Cawley and potential upside on it, and it's just been haunted by injury. Uh, he's played here six times. He's, he's missed just one cut, uh, and he was 29th after round one in that missed cut. He was 25th the last time he played here, fourth after round one. He was 26th the year before that, um, 47th the year before he missed the cut, and then 50th and 24th in his first two starts. He's had these kind of reasonable rounds um, all the way across his career at the Phoenix Open so pretty comfortable with what Bug Cawley's done and if you just look at what he's done in his first two starts since uh, returning from injury and it was a you know an extensive layoff for Bug Cawley but he's finished 21st and 35th in his two starts on the Corn Ferry now of course it comes with the warning that um, you know it is a lower level he hasn't played on the PJ Tour for a long time now but at 6k you're getting the guy that i think can get you through the cut and, and potentially make some birdies along the way so that was one for me i feel like someone like a, a david lipsky is too cheap at 6-1 whether he's playing too poorly for that to really matter i don't know callum taron shown some life with, with ball striking but not much else and i don't know what to do about someone like zach johnson zach johnson has been playing better since he got rid of the Ryder Cup issues and all the stuff that comes with captaincy. He's played well here in the past. Obviously, in the peak of his powers, he was 
you know, inside the top 25 in four straight appearances or five straight appearances here. Um, 10th, 12th, 12th, 14th, and 24th in that span. And the last three years, he's been 42nd, 43rd, and 32nd. So even when his mind's been elsewhere and he's been in the twilight years of his career, he's actually played pretty well, Zach Johnson. So when you then factor in the fact that, um, you know, he finished 25th on his last start, which was at the Amex, where he was the round one leader, uh, open with 62, I think we've got something there with Zach Johnson at a really low price at 6,300. So for me, it would be Zach Johnson... Um, and Bud Cooley in this really low range. But I think that just about wraps it up. I think we're going to be living kind of in the, the 7Ks and then the 9Ks and 10K range this week. If I was to kind of put together a lineup based on our sort of conversations we've had so far on this podcast, which is what I normally like to do, and Matt would normally be a part of that, um, I think we, we can take a couple of chances. Um, but generally speaking, you're going to look for a little bit of solid play throughout um so for me we'll start with justin thomas we'll back that up with um sam burns you then got hideki i think is is the player that you take a chance on kitiara and tom hoagie i feel pretty good about um at seven two and seven three and that leaves you with seven five now you could go even a little bit cheaper than hideki and, and kind of give yourself a little bit more to work with Maybe you'd rather take a chance on Hadwin, who Matt mentioned, and that kind of gives you 7-9 in the final pick. Uh, that opens up Siwoo Kim. It opens up the discussion we had about Shane Lowry, Thomas Dietrich. Um, but it's, you know, it's entirely up to you at this point. But I think really and truly the, the takeaways were that you know Matt loved Sam Burns, Jordan Spieth, and uh, Max Homer at the top of the board there. And you know any combination of those three to kick you off is, is probably a good way to start. Um, but yeah, that was that was a drafting show for the Phoenix Open. A little bit of disruption at the end there, but overall, uh, really happy with the process of the picks, and and I think we're looking forward to a good week at the Phoenix Open, which we shouldn't have the weather delays that we had at Pebble Beach. So, looking forward to getting into it, and thank Matt as ever for his time. <laughs>